So today we are getting started and we're picking up right where we left off. We've been on a series entitled, Walk This Way. Walk This Way. Walk This Way. And this series is all based on the, the writings of a man named James. This guy James um, writes this letter unto the people of, of uh, the, the early believers, the early church, who were Jewish people that were dispersed all throughout the region of Palestine, in Jerusalem, outside of Jerusalem. And there was just a lot of things going on. And so James writes a letter of encouragement to those who were undergoing all types of things at that point in life. I mean, these people believed in Jesus and they lived with a sense of hope in God. But as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, these were also people that were spread out because of persecution. But they also had some infighting going on amongst them. So there was a lot of things happening. And in the midst of this, there was a lot of difficulty. And so James writes this letter unto them, inspired by God. God so kind of awakens his heart up and and says, hey, look at the needs of my people. Look at what's going on with them. And so James is writing, writing to them with the intent of strengthening, encouraging, connecting them, and simplifying this this experience of life and a personal relationship with God. And so today, we're picking up where we left off last week, and we're going to the book of James chapter 3. I'll give you a chance to get there. But in James chapter 3, uh, James begins to address something that God began to show him, a vital point, uh, not just for their lives, but for ours. It's one that's necessary for us to consider until this very day. And it has to do a lot with some of the things that we say. Hey, have you ever been that person that wished you could take back something you said? You ever, you ever been there? Oh, come on. Some of us just need to be real about it. We've been there where it's kind of like, I can't believe I just said that. I remember years back, I was a, uh, a youth pastor uh, at a very large church out in the Middletown area. And I mean, our, our youth group was like a thousand kids. And, you know, it was just a great, a great season in our lives, a great seven and a half years. But, you know, in, in the midst of, of, of that, you meet a lot of kids, you meet a lot of families. And, and I would always be heading up to the teen center Prior to service, you know, and, and I'm walking up there and you've got all these families and all these kids. And there's this kid that comes up to me. He goes, hey, Pastor Jose, I want to introduce you to, to my mom. I want to introduce you to my dad. So I'm like, oh, hey, how are you? And they're introducing me. And, and he says, yeah, and this is my sister. This is my brother. And, and I'm like, oh, it's such, so, so nice. Oh, he talks so much about you guys up there. He's growing so much. We're so grateful. And I stuck my foot in my mouth. And I said this question. Now, guys, don't judge me. And ladies, don't judge me. Because some of you guys have been there. Where you ask this question. How far along are you? How many of you know that was a bad, bad moment? That was a bad moment. That was a bad moment for me. It got real awkward. And so this teen is looking at me. And he's like. The husband's like. The wife is like, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, guys, I got to get going. I got to head upstairs. We're going to be starting. It was a really, really awkward, really, really bad moment. And I wasn't, you know, I didn't mean anything. I wasn't trying to be mean or anything. But we say things sometimes, sometimes that we don't mean or that we wish we could take back. See, that was a really bad moment for me. But as we'll see today, if we're not careful about what we say in the moment, sometimes it can lead to a very bad lifetime. 
really bad lifetime. Those moments can become really bad experiences that carry on for years to come. And so we're going to be looking at James chapter 3, starting at, verses, uh, starting at verse 2, and we're going to go all the way through verse 6. And watch what James says. Hey, if you've ever been there where you've kind of stumbled with your words, where you're regretting something you said, I want you to see what God says through James. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Hear what he says. We all stumble in many ways. By the way, that's newsflash. If you believe you got it all together when it comes to your words, the word of God says differently. Think about this. It says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. That word perfect there means completeness. It says they're able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are, st- they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself on fire by hell. Today, I'd like to talk to you about the topic of our words. Specifically, I'd like to talk to you about words to live by. The words we live by. Hey, as we see here, just in these beginning portion, the beginning portion of this scripture, what we say is important. It's powerful. You can either live by them or die by them. Your words. You're either living by them or dying by them. You can either define a good course for your life or a bad one. All simply by the words we use. Some of you are thinking right now, oh, come on, pastor. What's the big deal? Words. They're just words. It's just, you know, I didn't mean to say it. I didn't, I didn't mean anything bad by it. I, uh, I was, uh, I'm thinking about something right now. There's this, there's a gentleman who's been coming for the last several weeks to these friends and family nights that we've made, that we've been uh, hosting here with, with your help and your support. And uh, I'll call this guy uh, Harry just for the sake of anonymity, because I know some of us have been here and I want to respect his privacy. But uh, I'll call him Harry. And this guy, Harry, uh, I noticed a few weeks back, uh, we were talking after one of the nights and, and, you know, he he was chatting up and all that. Real funny guy, great, great attitude, you know. and, and, And what I didn't realize is that that was just the surface. He was just presenting surface level, just being friendly, which I appreciated. And then I said to him, I said to him, so where are you right now? What, what, what's going on? You know, what stage are you in life? You know, and, and uh, you know, how can I help you? And he says this to me. All of a sudden, it was like night and day. He says to me, don't say that to me. And I said to him, what do you mean? What, I, I, I'm not following you. And he says to me, don't say what can I do for you? And I said, okay. I'm sorry, did I say something wrong? He says, I've been told all my life by people, what can I do for you? And I've always been let down. And he begins to open up and he begins to tell me, and all this, I'm just listening. 
literally listening. I listened to this guy for about a good 20 minutes. Tell me about how from he was a young age, his mother would tell him, you're good for nothing. You're stupid. You're as dumb as a box of rocks. And he began to talk about all these words that his mother would use in jest. And how those words scarred him. This guy was 53, is 53 years old, 53, 54, something like that, years old. And mind you, he's still bearing the scars of words that he was told when he was three and four and five and six years old. See, the thing is, this guy's been beaten down so much with words that here he is all these years later, while not having any visible scars, he's living them. And you know, if we could just be honest with ourselves, we've all been there where we've used our words in a really bad way. We've used them for the wrong purposes. We've also, some of us, we've been there where we, we grew up that way. And we bear those scars. And we, uh, we hide them well. But don't you believe that lie that sticks and stones break bones, but words don't hurt. Words are powerful. I want you to think about this. When God decided to make something out of nothing, when God decided to call light into being, where there was void, he spoke. Think about that. You know why I say that to you? Because our words create, ladies and gentlemen. Our words create. Our words create the pictures that we think on. Our words create the very things that drive our thought process. And we should be mindful of our words. Now, mind you, this is not my idea. This is God's idea. God tells us about the power of our words. Proverbs 15, 4 says this. It says, a soothing tongue, speaking words that build up and encourage, is a tree of life. But a perversive tongue, speaking words that overwhelm and depress, watch this, crushes the spirit. It crushes the spirit. You're either building or demolishing someone's life. With your words. We're either building or demolishing. Building or demolishing. And so we truly should consider the power of the words that we use. We should consider the manner in which we communicate with each other is what God's saying. We should consider how we communicate not just with those that are near and dear to us, but with everyone. Think about it. Our words... They are powerful. Proverbs 15 verses 1 and 2 goes on to say, A soft and gentle and thoughtful answer turns away wrath. I'll tell you something about that word wrath there. You know, what it, you know what it refers to? It refers to anger without borders. It refers to an anger that is uncontrolled. You, you ever see in the news... Every, every year or so, you'll, you'll see a report. It's a short snippet of these people, and they get together in Europe somewhere. I think it's Spain. And they call it the run of the bulls, or something like that. And they let these wild, uncontrolled animals, destructive animals, they let them loose. 
And here's the part that bugs me out. I think it's the stupidest thing in the world. People run in front of these animals and somehow believe that somebody's not going to get hurt, that they're not the one who's going to get hurt. Let me tell you why I share that that thought with you. Because it is foolish, ladies and gentlemen, for us to believe that we can subject people and subject ourselves to uncontrolled anger expressed through words and somehow believe that we won't get hurt or that we will not hurt someone. It's foolish. And so consider the scriptures. It says a soft and a gentle and a thoughtful answer turns away wrath. But harsh and painful and careless words stir up anger. Did you catch that? That we're supposed to care about the words that we use? That our words are not supposed to be careless? Why? Because they stir up anger. They stir up wrath. They spark something. Verse 2, he goes on to say, The tongue of the wise speaks knowledge that is pleasing and acceptable. But the babbling mouth of a fool of fools spouts folly. Get this. Thoughtful words. Words that produce life are synonymous with the wisdom of God. They're full of the wisdom of God. You know, it's a scripture that spoke to me so strongly many years ago. It's in the book of Proverbs. Uh, I, I can't tell you exactly where it's at right now, but you can, you all have that tool these days, Google. You can Google it if you want. Um, if you need it, I'll give it to you at the end of service. But basically what it says is this. It says, even a fool appears wise when he's silent. Even a fool appears wise when he's silent. We should measure our words. We should put restraints on our words. You know why? Because what we say and how we say it is equally important. What we say and how we say it is important. You know, I'm still in process in this area. I'm in, I'm in process in every area. But I think about this, you know, it just, I, I, every now and then my wife and I will, will be in the midst of a conversation and she'll ask me something and, and you know, I'm that kind of guy that it's like, I already know where you're going. So let me just tell you, let me give you the answer. And then my wife goes, hon. And I'm like, what? What did I say wrong? You asked the question and I answered it. And she goes, no, 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 no. It's how you said it. And then I'm guilty. I'm going to tell myself, I've come back with this one. No, it's how you interpreted it. But I want you to see what the word says. Listen, listen. Let's go back to verse 1 of Proverbs 15. It says, a soft and gentle and thoughtful answer. You know what it's talking about there? How we say it. How we say it. It turns away wrath, but harsh and painful and careless words stir up anger. That's talking about what we say. See, what we say and how we say it is important. Unrestrained words lean to unrestrained results. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. When we do not put a restraint on our words, 
It is foolish for us to think that we can control the outcomes. We've already opened the floodgates. We left all these wild bulls to run. And now we're going, no, whoa, 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 stop. Wait, 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 I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. You might be sorry, but you already said it. We already said it. And we got to be careful with our words. Notice that words spoken in wisdom bring forth knowledge. They bring forth knowledge. If we could put that uh, verse 2 up. They bring forth knowledge. You know what knowledge is? Knowledge is the necessary details so that we can apply and do what God's word says. It's understanding in action. And words that come from the wisdom of God, what they do is they bring forth knowledge. But watch this. Why that, watch why that's important. Because what it produces is that which is pleasing and acceptable. You know, even when we're in disagreement, and by the way, newsflash, don't miss next week. Because I'm going to tell you something. Next week, we're going to be talking about the right fight. And I'm going to tell you why that's important. I'm taking a little rabbit trail here. Because conflict is something that we all endure. But here's the truth. We don't know how to engage in conflict. We don't know. There is a scriptural blueprint for how we engage in conflict. Whether it's your spouse, whether it's your children, whether it's your fellow man. There is biblical truths that are ours, precious promises that speak to our hearts. And, and you're going to see next week, this builds right off of chapter 3. Because the same way they were undergoing conflict then, the same way they were struggling with the use of their words then, we still struggle today. We still stumble today is what the scriptures say. And so when we speak words that are spoken with wisdom from God, It's valuable because it produces that which is pleasing and acceptable to the hearer. Listen, even in conflict, while they might not like what you have to say, because it's wisdom and it's done in wisdom, they'll accept it. And what the Bible guarantees us, what God guarantees us through this letter that he inspired through James is this, that it will produce pleasing and acceptable results. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of communication I want. That's, that's what I want. And so all this is possible when we put importance on what we say and how we say it. On the other hand, notice this, that careless words are like a spout without an off switch. That word spout there is speaking of a, a flow of water that is unceasing. I was uh, reading something uh, just this morning, just the thought, and I just went in and and uh, went online. And I was just looking at some stuff. Do you know that most rivers, most of the largest rivers in the world, start with a drip of water? It's something that they refer to as the headway. And what happens is it starts off at the top of a mountain. And what happens is the icicles begin to melt and those little drips begin to become a puddle. And that puddle then becomes what they refer to as runoff. And because that flow of runoff is continuous, it continues to grow and it leads to become 
a creek or, or a, 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 a consistent flow of water, which then eventually becomes a river. Think about the power of our words in the same way. They start off small, but man, do they have and lead to big results. And so we cannot engage in the use of careless words. We shouldn't because they lead to a world of hurt and damage. And so the point that James is making here is this. He's, he's, he's saying, don't minimize the power at your disposal with your words. You have powerful, powerful resources through the words that you use. It's a great tool. I got a question for you. When you think about somebody, when you think about strength, what do you envision? I'll tell you what some of us are thinking about. We're thinking about muscles. We're thinking about somebody who's big. We're thinking about somebody who has the, the capacity to to lift and push and do great and massive things because of their great strength. But I want you to think about this small little member of our body called the tongue. You know that the tongue is made up, is supported by eight muscles? It itself is a muscle. But the muscles that comprise and support this member that we call the tongue, they never tire out. They are the only muscles in the entire body that can keep going and going and going and never get tired. The tongue. You want to burn some calories? Keep talking. But I, t- I guarantee you this. If all we do is talk, 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 we'll also burn some relationships in the process. So you want to talk about true strength? The tongue is only about four inches long. It's pretty small. But it is true strength at work in our bodies because it never tires out. So in other words, if we're not careful, this mouth of ours has the ability to keep going and going and going and going and going. And though the tongue is small, it can inflict great damage if left without restraints. Verse 2 of James chapter 3 tells us, if we could just put that up again, verse 2, says that we all stumble in many ways. Therefore, hey, newsflash, we all have more growing to do in this area. Every last one of us, we all have more growth that needs to take place in this area. Every last one of us. I didn't say that. God says that. In verses 3 and 4, we see something very interesting. Verses 3 and 4, we see something very interesting, that the tongue has the ability, it's synonymous with the bit that you place in a horse's mouth. You can turn, watch this, the entire body. The entire body. When you think about this, it tells us something. That though this this small little member of our body seems small and insignificant, we should be very careful about the power that it has to direct where we end up. I want you to consider where you are right now. It's a good place. Maybe it's an okay place. Maybe it's not such an okay place. Maybe you feel a certain type of way. You're struggling with certain things. You have a certain perception of yourself. You, you find yourself in difficult situations in life. I want you to just take a moment, just a brief moment to think about 
What does your speech have to do with it? How's that impacting you? Are you that person that says, oh, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, it's just hard. I'm just human. I'm just trying to figure this all out. You know, I can't. I'm not, I'm not them. I don't, I don't have the faith that this person has. I don't have the opportunities they have. Well, listen to what you're saying. Not only are you saying you don't have, you're saying you never will. What we're literally doing is creating a river, a flow, a powerful course redirection in the place that God never intended us to go. You talk to anybody who's negative, who's down, who's depressed, and you listen to their words. And it says a lot about what's going on. In verses 5, In six, I want to read verses five and six. If we could just put that up. It says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Watch this. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. See, no one wants these results. No one wants to live in the midst of a forest fire. You think about this. In those moments where these things are developing, these forest fires, you know what people do? They run. They leave everything. They hightail it out of there. Why? Because they understand, I can get hurt right here. I can lose my life. I can lose everything. I can, everything in my life can be incinerated at that moment. And here's the thing about it. You and I weren't created for these results. That's not God's best for you and I. The infernals we create. But watch what verse 6 says. Verse 6 says, the tongue also is a fire. Watch this. A whole, a world of evil amongst the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Watch how. One small flame. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. Oh, it was just words. The greatest of fires, infernos, loss of life, loss of everything that you possess, all starts sometimes with one Simple word. One word. Hmm. In verse 7 and 8, James goes on to say by inspiration of God, he says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. See, the key to making long-lasting change with our words isn't to restrain our words. It's, I'm just going to shut up. No, that's not the solution, ladies and gentlemen. Scripture says, you and I cannot restrain our words. It's not even talking about us just watching what we say. See, we can't tame our words, but let me tell you what we can tame. We can tame our heart. 
You can take my heart. Let me tell you why that's important. Look at the words of Jesus as we're wrapping up here. Luke 6, verses 43 through 45. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear, fi- uh, uh, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick things out of uh, the good stored up in their hearts. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Watch this. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. When you tame your heart, you'll tame the impact of your words. When you tame your heart, you'll tame the impact of your words. Let me ask you a question here. What are you believing in your heart that's manifesting by your words? See, what drives our words is what we believe. I didn't mean that. You believed it. You believed it. And according to scripture, thus the mouth speaks. Hmm. In James 3 verses 13 through 16, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? You know, it seems like James just kind of leaves us hanging when he goes to verse 13. But he doesn't. He actually builds upon this point that we cannot tame our words. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Watch this. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. But it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. In light of the point that he makes about the power of our words, God says to us directly through this letter written by this guy, James, that the root of the matter of unrestrained words is an unrestrained heart. It's a heart without boundaries set by the truth of God's word. The wisdom of God. And so he goes on to say in verses 17 and 18, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. It's all referring to that which happens in the heart. See, a changed heart changes the direction of your words and your life. It changes the direction of your words and your life. As we're closing out here today, I'm reminded of a guy named Peter. Peter was a big mouth. Peter, while loving Jesus and following Jesus for three and a half years of his life, always found a way to stick his foot in his mouth. Bible records that there's a time where Jesus goes through this process of transfiguration and and Moses and Elijah show up and Peter goes, hey, Jesus, I got a great idea. Let's build three tabernacles. You know what he's saying? Let's build three tabernacles. Places of worship. One for Moses. One for you. And one for Elijah. 
Jesus goes, you got it all twisted, brother. And so Peter finds himself at the end of Jesus' journey here on earth in his physical form. They're having dinner and Jesus says, hey guys, my time's come. And by the way, one of you is going to betray me and all of you are going to deny me. And Peter goes, never, not I. Oh, great and good master, not I. And Jesus says to him, oh, Peter, before the, be, be, before the rooster crows today, he says, you'll deny me three times. No, not me, Jesus. Jesus gets betrayed. He's arrested. Everybody scatters. And Peter follows off in the distance. He's just kind of watching where they're taking him, what they're doing. The Bible says that Peter finds himself in the midst of a square. And he's watching what's going on with Jesus. And this servant girl comes up to him and says, Hey, I know you. You're one of his disciples. And Peter goes, no, not I. Not me. Nope, get the wrong guy. Comes back a little, yeah, 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 yeah. You're one of his disciples. Yeah, I've seen you with him. Yeah, you walked with him. He goes, no, not me, no. Nope, not me. Bible says that a few more people come by and she says, yep, that, he's one of his followers, yep. He walked with the Galilean and Jesus. And and the Bible says that Peter not only denies Jesus. one, one, One portion of the Gospels says that Peter cursed him. And then all of a sudden. He hears this rooster crow. And he remembers. We don't know much about where Peter found himself in between at that juncture in his life, at that point. What we do know is that John 21 records that Jesus is now resurrected and he shows up and Peter's out there fishing with the disciples. The Bible says that he's out there fishing and it's obvious he's not catching anything. And he finds himself back at the place where it all started with Jesus. He's on this boat and somebody's on the shore and says, cast your net on that side. He thought nothing of it. He casts his net. He pulls in all this fish. The Bible says that one of the other disciples says to him, it is the Lord. Peter dives into the water. He swims all the way to shore. He gets there and... Right there, he finds fish on coals, cooked. Probably has some Bustelo coffee and some pan with butter. Let me stop. Sorry. Just having fun with it. But he finds himself at that place and Jesus sits down and none of them say a word. I find it interesting that Peter had nothing to say. But you see, Peter was undergoing his own struggles in his heart. I'm sure he was full of doubt, hurt, probably even felt guilty, regretting that he had denied Jesus, that he had used his words in such a reckless way. And the Bible says that Jesus looks to him and says to him, Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. 
Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. The Bible says in John 21, verse 16, that again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Scripture says that Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Three times Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. To which Peter responded every time, Lord, I love you. And for every time that Peter affirmed his love for Jesus, watch this. Jesus affirmed his call and his purposes for Peter's life. You know what Jesus did there? In such a wise and practical way, he addressed the issue of his heart. The Bible says that shortly after this time, Peter goes on to share about this risen Christ. And from that point forward, at that very moment, 3,000 people come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Peter went on to use his words powerfully. But you know where it began for Peter? While, yes, he walked with Jesus all those years, it was when his heart was tamed. Ladies and gentlemen, the words we live by produce life or death. Instead of focusing so much on putting the emphasis on our words... Focus on that which you believe in your heart. Because out of your heart come everything. Everything out of the mouth comes from that. The Bible says that out of the heart, the issues of life flow. Let's stand today. Listen, right now, maybe for some of us, we're really considering our words. We're considering and thinking about the damage that people have inflicted in our lives. And maybe we're even considering the damage we've inflicted with our words. Hey, don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. See, we can't do this on our own. But we can with God. It's possible. It's all possible. And so, Father, today I thank you that what you've ministered into our lives is strength. Jesus, you said that the words that you speak are spirit and they are life. I thank you that today we are quickened in the inner man, that we are strengthened, that today your word has spoken truth, Lord. And the heart behind it is your love for all people. I thank you today for hearts that are being mended. Healing that is taking place. Strength that is being birthed. Minds that are being renewed. Hearts that are transformed. And so, Father, today I thank you that today we leave here strong. And that, Lord, today we now know how to restrain our words. As we tame that which is in our hearts. Thank you, Father, that today there are new springs.
overflowing. That we speak life unto our children. That we minister hope in our marriages. That we heal broken hearts. That we don't just talk about Jesus, but that from this point forward, we release the life of Christ. Because our words are measured by the wisdom of God. Father, today we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate all that you've done. (laughs) And we declare with our hearts, with our words, and with our lives that we love you, that we trust you. And Lord, we ask you for continued revelation from your word, wisdom from up above to be revealed, to instruct and renew us in every way that we might walk this out daily. We will walk by the word of God. We will speak in agreement with the word of God. 